Welcome back to the Vine Church podcast. Today, we will be continuing our devotional series, The Gospel According to Zechariah. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Heart, and we'd love to have you join us over there. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back to our devotionals, uh, The Gospel According to Zechariah, as we unpack this fantastic book in the Old Testament. This morning, I'm going to be reading the same passage that Andy brought to us yesterday and really kind of picking up where he left off. And so I'm going to read Zechariah chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. And it says this, When I looked again, I saw a man with a measuring line in his hand. Where are you going? I asked. He replied, I'm going to measure Jerusalem to see how wide and how long it is. Then the angel who was with me um, went to meet a second angel who was coming towards him. The other angel said, hurry and say to that young man, Jerusalem will someday be so full of people and livestock that there won't be enough room for everyone. Many will live outside the city walls. Then I myself will be a protective wall of fire around Jerusalem, says the Lord, and I will be the glory inside the city. Now, as we've kind of been talking about in the last few episodes, the last few parts as we've been looking at this book, there is real uh, legitimacy and, and goodness in seeing the book of Zechariah as giving a prophecy which ultimately points forward to God establishing his church, to God doing something incredible with his creation, that restoring his people Israel is ultimately to establish uh, his new Israel, the church. And so we really should be reading this about how God is planning to unfold those promises in history. Now, how do we relate to Jerusalem? How do we relate to uh, the city that there exists in the Old Testament? Because you, you kind of get the sense in places like this that the city is not really good enough. What I mean by that is they're starting to see maybe God's intention isn't just for a physical city. I mean, you have to bear in mind that when uh, Jerusalem existed before the Babylonian exile, for them, this was God's purpose on the earth. And so no army will ever be able to destroy Jerusalem. In the book of Jeremiah, for instance, Jeremiah says to the people, do not say the holy city, the holy city. You know, what they're saying is we can't be destroyed because we have the holy city. No, 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 no. They can come and attack us, but we can't get hurt. Jeremiah says, no, actually, it can be destroyed. And so when Jerusalem was destroyed, they started to really rethink these things. What is God doing? And God certainly confirms that. Listen to what he says here. Jerusalem will someday be so full of people and livestock, there won't be enough room for everyone. Many will live outside the city walls. And then it says that God himself will be a wall of fire around Jerusalem and the glory inside the city. In other words, Jerusalem as you know it is going to be transformed. The current city as it exists isn't big enough for everyone that God has to bring in. I've used this analogy before, but I think it's really helpful. If you think about when an architect is planning to build a new building, they often present a model, a small version of their design. That model is not the final product. It is merely a preview of the, of the intentions of the architect. The city of Jerusalem in, in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, really is that architect's model. It is a preview of what God plans to do. It's a preview of, of what he intends to do. It's not the final thing. And what Zechariah and the other prophets around this time are starting to realise is, this is not it. This is the architect's model. God plans to do something far bigger than what we can see. 
And so prophecies like this are really a call for us to lift our vision higher than what we can see. As Andy shared yesterday so helpfully, we often tend to uh, measure according to human standards. You know, the temptation for those in Zechariah's day was to say, well, this is how big the old city was, and so this is how big the new city will be. You know, exactly the same. But God calls us to lift our vision higher than what we can see and instead look to his promises. I mean, just think about that. This city is not big enough for everyone that's going to come in. God has so many people that he plans to bring in that this isn't, this cannot hold it. The walls themselves will have to be extended and God will have to be the walls. It's funny how often we use phrases like, this is a pre, a post-Christian world, sorry. This is a post-Christian country. The Christian golden age has passed. Well, what if we were to do what Zechariah is calling us to do here? And lift our vision higher than the ruins that we can see before us, higher than the remains. And rather than saying this is a post-Christian country, we say, no, 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 this is a pre-Christian country. And how can I say that with such confidence? Because God says to us through Zechariah, Jerusalem will have so many people that these city limits cannot hold them in. The church is going to expand and expand until it covers the whole globe. There will not be, uh, the walls will not be big enough to hold everyone in. God plans to fill his church. Think about prophecies like Isaiah 2, where Isaiah says, I saw the mountain of the Lord lifted above all the other mountains and the nations will flow to it. It even says that because of God's kingdom, there's not going to be any more war. What what, uh, an amazing prophecy to look forward to. Think about what Jesus says in Matthew 16. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's funny how we often take that the, the wrong way round. The gates of hell will not prevail against it, as though it means that the church is you know, constantly being battered by hell, but God will always preserve it. Notice it's the gates of hell that don't prevail, not the gates of the church. What do gates do? Gates keep people out. The image there is that the church is storming the gates and the gates of hell won't be able to hold the church back. In other words, the church will have victory because that is God's plan. That is God's plan to take the measuring line, to measure what was and say it's going to be far bigger than you ever knew. And more than that, the people of God are going to be completely transformed. Think about it like this. Often we tend to divide things by ethnicity or culture or the kind of people that we relate to. But the call to see Jerusalem filled with so many people and livestock is a call to think differently about who we are as the people of God. I quite like the phrase that we are an ethnicity unto ourselves. To be a Christian is to not say first and foremost, I am, for instance, white and British, but I am Christian. That is my race, my culture, my ethnicity. And everything else which defines me uh, comes secondarily to that. Think about how that would affect the way that we worship, for instance. If we could say there is nothing about our worship which is distinctly English or middle class or white, our worship is Christian. That is surely the goal. And that's what prophecies like this are calling us to look to. What does it mean for us all globally to be the people of God, the people that God is filling Jerusalem with, the ones that he is protecting us Um, the ones that he is protecting with his wall 
of fire. That's what God is, is calling us to be, the people of God. Not just the quantity of people is, is important, but the quality. You know, it's not just God saying, oh, there's going to be billions upon billions of Christians, but they're all going to be divise, uh, you know, div- div- uh, divided among themselves and, you know, not share the same opinions and they're all going to be arguing all the time. No, it's also that they are dwelling in harmony, in unity. That's something that we see here. There won't be enough room for everyone and the people themselves are um, identified with God, identified with Christ. You know, it says God will be the glory inside the city. He is the unifying principle. We also see that God himself will be the protection. I've already mentioned it a few times, but God is going to be the one outside the city protecting it. Now, let me just unpack what that might look like a bit more, because I don't think that we necessarily think this through very often. If, you know, this world is going to be transformed by the church, by God's plans for his people, by his unrolling of his kingdom, we might start to think along the lines that, that people in history have done. Well, we're going to need a big army to enforce that. You know, um, we're going to need to make sure that we put it in law that no one else can be anything but a Christian. This is the tendency that people have had in church history. And sometimes people start to think that maybe we need like a Christian version of, you know, Sharia law, for instance, where in faith is enforced. But that really misses the point here. God's intention is what will prevail and God himself will protect it. People tend to look back at times like the 16th century where you know, the church really did have a very powerful position in English society and say, what could we have done to have maintained that? But that isn't really a question we should be asking because God promises to be the protection of his own projects. If God intends to change this world, to transform it, he will be uh, our guarantee that it will happen and the protection that it will stay that way. He's not going to let his kingdom be usurped. He will be the wall of fire around us. We don't need to uh, think through a kind of a, a top-down law to make sure everyone submits. God will do it through his Holy Spirit. That's a real, I think, blessing and freedom about having a Christian view of the future. We don't believe that the future is open. We believe that the future is predestined by God, that God will bring about his purposes and that he will protect his purposes. We don't need to be the protective wall of fire around the city. God is. And lastly, I think this prophecy is a challenge for us. I think this prophecy is a provocation for us as the people of God. What do you have in your hand? The measuring line. So go and measure. This person goes to see how big the city is going to be. And our hope, and sorry, and our calling, our commission is to check our measuring line according to our hope. To say, well, I might think it's only going to be this big. But God says it's going to be this big, you know, much bigger. I realise that you can't see my hands. So when I say this big or this big, it looks like I'm saying the same thing. But the point is, God's promises need to determine our hope. God's promises tell us, pick up your measuring line and go and see how big Jerusalem is going to be according to my word. And that should challenge us to get involved now to say, what can I be doing to build this city How can I share the good news with other people? How can I see the people of God grow? That's our challenge as the people of God. And so as we go about today, I want to give you this challenge. What can you do to pick up your measuring line and go and measure the city?
go and measure Jerusalem? What can you do to be bringing people in to see that city expand, to see God's purposes come to bear on this earth? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you plan to establish your kingdom, that you plan to gather your people together, the new Jerusalem. Lord, that you plan to bring so many people in that the walls will not be big enough, that you will have to be a wall of fire around us. Thank you for your protection and thank you for your purposes, we pray. Amen.